Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. So I'm Judy, recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Judy. Hi, Judy. And um, I had told David a while ago that it's been more than a year since I've actually sat in this chair and spoken here, so I had said, anytime something falls through, call me. So that's what happened last night, and then I was in this panic this morning about, oh, my God, what, how am I going to fit what I want, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And also that it's step three, and as I'll tell you, step three is a hard one for me. So, um, But that's good. It was actually very good to have a chance to reread step three and think about it. Um, so to qualify... I have no idea how many years I've been in these rooms, but it's more than 15 and less than 20, something in there. Um, I don't know why, I really cannot remember, um, but anyhow. Um, And uh, it's always important to say, take what you like and leave the rest. I do not speak for OA as a whole. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to try to go through the what it was like before I came in here quickly so I have more time to work on the step three part. Um, So I I think I came into this world a big eater. There's all sorts of stories about um, my mother trying to put me on whatever schedule the doctor said I was supposed to be on for bottles at that point. It was bottles, not nursing, at least in my family, and I would have none of it. Um, My dad was a big eater. He was a fairly tall man, broad-shouldered, and he could eat with gusto and not gain weight. So as far as I was concerned, that should be true of me too. I had a sister and cousins who had no interest in food at all, and they were sort of little and scrawny, and I was just like in there eating with my dad. And I don't think, I think it took many years for, I mean, so I was a big eater from this day one. Was I a compulsive eater? Let's say the compulsive behavior got worse later on when it became clear that it wasn't okay to be a big eater. It wasn't okay as a kid. It wasn't okay as a female. And it wasn't, you know, and and it started being a little bit of a battle with my mom. You shouldn't eat so much. You're going to gain weight, et cetera. Um, I didn't actually start. I never felt very good in my body. I was not good at sports and I was bullied for that. And I was, you know, but, but the association between eating and weight and my self-worth really became much more intense later on in adolescence and really in my 20s, and um, it built from there. And I did all the usual things that most overeaters do in terms of going on one diet after another, and some of them were extreme, and some of them were actually rather sane, um, and some of them worked, and some of them didn't, but even the ones that worked only worked for a while, and then I would go off the diet and gain more weight. I did hypnosis, which worked wonderfully for 24 hours. I, um, I, the thing I don't admit to a lot of people outside these rooms or even in these rooms, I did something much more extreme. I had liposuction. I was just like, why doesn't, why don't I just get the fat sucked out of me? It was a rather major surgery with a long recovery. Um, I gained the weight back. Um, so there were a lot of lengths I thought I was going to to lose weight and. They all failed. And um, when I walked into these rooms 15 plus years ago, I was looking partly for a diet that would work. That was a big part of what I was doing here. Though I also 
really had come to realize that it w I needed more than a diet because each one of those failed attempts to lose weight was reinforcing stuff that I, I'm sure was with me much earlier than that in terms of just a huge amount of self-criticism, self-loathing, you know? And, you know, it is sort of amazing to me that when I walked in these rooms, I was a pretty functioning adult. I was successful at work. I was happily married. I was raising two wonderful kids. But there was this underlying, these voices that particularly came up every night when I climbed into bed. It was just like the most abusive. I would have thought I came from a very abusive household, which I didn't. I came from a very critical household. But the voices were so much, I mean, the voices that said, you blew it, you're disgusting, you're fat, you're worthless, you're unlovable. They were so intense and they were so fixated on what I ate and what I weighed. It was just, you know, amazing to me that they weren't, they weren't stopping me from living a life or leading to suicide because it was just, it, it was so intense. So when I walked in these rooms, I, I came, I, I got it very, very quickly about, um, coming for the vanity and staying for the sanity. Um, I was a little baffled that there wasn't a real clear diet and a bunch, you know, those kinds of rules. I was also very, very baffled by the steps and the God part. And, uh, you know, I've said this many times in here, but I went home and I said to my husband, you are not going to believe this, but only the first step, because neither of us had ever been in 12-step programs, only the first step even mentions food, you know. And to me, as, you know, somebody feeling like I, I had, uh, five, yeah. um, that, that I had so much self-loathing, I could not fathom how looking at my character defects and trying to find out what, what more things that were wrong with me were going to help me. But, as I said, I, I stayed around. I knew from day one that... I belonged here. I cried through the first several, several, several months of meetings. Um, I cried because, first of all, um, I'd really come to think over the years as food is my best friend, and I did not want to give that up. You know, I it took me a long time to write that dear John letter that I had to do to say, you know, what kind of best friend makes me feel the way. I, overeating makes me feel, you know, and those comfort foods aren't really comfort foods if they make me feel awful about myself or make me eat till I've got a stomach ache or that kind of thing. But it took me a long time. And then I also cried because I, and back then, I think we read in these, this meeting something about can, the question, can you, everybody recover? There are those poor unfortunates who are constitutionally incapable. And it was just like, every time we read that, it was like, that's me. You know, other people can do it. The first person who spoke when I was here had lost over 100 pounds. He was amazing. And I, on the one hand, I was like, if he could do it, surely I can. But at the same time, I had felt like I had failed so many times at this that it wasn't going to work for me. So anyhow, I cried my way through. I still cry my way through some meetings, but not quite as often. And I hope I won't cry my way through through the rest of this share. But um, anyhow, so lots of things are working for me in this program. And, and there's lots of things that I still, still struggle with. But let, let's talk about step three, because that's my assignment. Um, uh, so the, the reason I say that step three is particularly hard for me uh, the reason it, uh, that was particularly hard for me at the beginning was just 
I think, I haven't counted, but I think they use the word God in this particular chapter more than any other chapter. And it's all about, you know, God's will for me, God's uh, praying for God's guidance, God, 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 God. Now, I came in here, I grew up in a Jewish, but very atheistic Jewish secular family. Uh, Probably when I walked in here, I would have called myself an atheist. Uh, an agnostic, not an atheist, because I was always the one in the family who sort of said, well, maybe, you know. But in any case, um, so that word kept jumping out at me. And I had to go back to step two, because step two, I think, does a better job of of addressing the question. You know, like those of us who stuck around and began working the steps made a wonderful discovery. OA doesn't tell us we have to believe in God only that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We are invited to define that power however we wish and relate to it in whatever way works for us. OA only suggests that we remain open to spiritual growth and show tolerance for others by neither criticizing nor promoting specific religious doctrines in OA meetings. And so, you know, step two does take the time, and there's lots of other literature in this program, and there were lots of other people in this program who were able to reassure me through their own example that I didn't have to accept this traditional view of God, and that I could accept that chapter, that the third step maybe was using God as a shorthand, that they didn't have to keep stopping and saying God or of our, my God of my understanding or de- higher power or deeper power or the universe or whatever those other things are. So, all right, so that was my first issue, but I was able to let go of that. But then I realized that, um, that it was the other word that kept coming up in there that was really hard for me. So God's will, learning God's will, God's will, not mine. And um, you know, there are a lot of people in these rooms who belong in other, who, who qualify for other programs as well, and often there are other programs related to substances. I have no question that the only substance that that I'm addicted to is food and sugar and all of those kinds of things. I've never. I don't metabolize alcohol right, and I fall asleep instantly, so I've never done that. And I'm way too much of a control freak to ever have enjoyed drug experiences. It just feels, you know. So, but I definitely qualify for um, for all sorts of, you know. I'm I'm compulsive in other ways. I'm a workaholic, and I'm definitely a codependent. And that means that uh, giving up my will and not wanting to control every single thing in the world is very, very, very hard for me. Um, And I have started working the code of steps and everything to help with that, partly because my sponsor and several other people in this program talked about not being able to get abstinent until they were really, had had worked through some of their codependent things. But in any case, I am trying, and I am making slowly progress on both the, the, you know, the sort of the reality of like, what prayer and meditation means for somebody who sort of doesn't have a clear concept of God, um, and also of like whether it's God's will. It's it's not my will. Letting go of having to be in control is is an ongoing challenge for me. Um, but I I really appreciated the opportunities partly from listening to other people of like being able to embrace things like meditation. Once I decided, okay, meditation doesn't have to be sitting cross-legged in a very uncomfortable position with a, you know, I can sit in a comfortable chair, lean back, shut my eyes, and that's what I do. And 
not every day. I wish I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do it more often and just say, either just breathe or just say, show me the way or show me, especially if something's troubling me, show me the next right thing to do. I can't figure this out. Show me the way and not expect an answer right away, but just to be able to breathe through it and, you know, take in whatever I hear. And if I don't hear it the first time, I will hear it eventually or I will feel it, you know. And so, um, and really that is what I, you know, is, is, is what I apply to abstinence. Um, and more so in the past year or so, and you know, as part of why I said to David, I think I'm ready to share. So I really feel like something has changed for me. And it's about focusing on the question around my food. Does it feel like a sane, does this feel like a sane and loving thing to be doing right now? So I have a fairly, this is the part that, you know, I can have still in these rooms a lot of shame about is that I have a fairly loose definition of my, I have a fairly loose food plan. I don't have a lot of forbidden foods. I don't weigh and measure. Um, I, but I do, I, I have boundaries. I have like two real meals and sometimes I have, a, and I have a mid morning, you could call it breakfast or snack and an optional one in the afternoon. So there are those boundaries and there's some others too that I could get into maybe, but um, uh, a lot of it, in terms of those meals is just trying to eat in a sane and self-loving way. And that's a lot less clear and maybe harder than having those kinds of, you know, weighing and measuring and whatever. But I really have learned that in these rooms, the, the key is planning for success and knowing ourselves. And so I know you know, maybe it'll change, but I know right now and for the past 15 years, I have not been willing to say I will not go to a restaurant, even though it could be triggering. I will never go to a potluck, even though it could be triggering. I will not cook and um, make food with other people. Those are things that I know trigger me. And yet I have chosen to say, partly inspired by pe other people in these rooms who can do it, that maybe there's a sane way of even doing those things, you know? And, um, uh, you know, I don't have to ask that question every time I sit down to eat, is this a sane and, you know, loving thing to eat? Most of the time I've sort of learned what kinds of things I shouldn't eat or what kinds of situations, there's a lot of situations. I know it is not, um, it is a trigger for me to sit down at a table with a, the serving dish near me because I'm going to go for seconds. I know I will, but if I serve myself in the kitchen and sit down, I know it's not a sane and loving thing to do to sit down in front of a basket of bread or a bowl of nuts, though I also, those are both foods that I do have on my plan if they're part of a meal, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of those things that I, you know, don't have to keep asking myself. But in general, that is sort of what I'm trying to have guide me. And what I realize is that um, it's to me the positive. This positive headset has been what's key to me. That that I, you know, um, when diets, diets used to be about good or bad. It used to be about. I'm on a diet, I'm sacrificing, it's a deprivation, I'm going to try to be good. If I had a good day where I was sticking to the diet, I was like, 
Look how good I've been. I'm so <laughs> proud of myself. I deserve a reward. I'm, is that 10 or 15? That's 15. 15, okay. Okay, I deserve a reward. I'm absolutely amazing. Um, and the and maybe the reward would be that I should go out and pig out on, on, <laughs> on sweets. So then I was off the diet. Or maybe it wasn't, but then it was like my reward should be that when I get on the scale, I should have lost 10 pounds since yesterday. And that never happened. And it would just make me so angry. And the flip side, of course, was that um, of being good was that when I wasn't, then I was bad, you know? And it was like, I deserved a punishment and I might as well give up and it's no fair and I'm no good. And so, you know, I've realized that in, you know, with help from this program, the negative part wasn't gonna flip until the positive part did. So it's not me. When I have a sane day with food, it's not me doing it. This is really the key to me of step three and applying it to, to my, abstinence. It's not me doing it. It's not me sacrificing. It's my higher power, whatever that higher power is, helping me to be kind to myself. And I'm being kind to myself when I eat sanely. I'm not punishing or depriving myself. And I need to stop frequently and give thanks. And, you know, I've shared this here before, too, that that really in the same way that sitting in a comfortable chair and just breathing is meditating for me, praying for me mostly is just giving thanks, stopping a lot of times during any day and just say, thank you for the rain, or other days, thank you for the beautiful weather, you know, and thank you. I don't know who I'm thanking, but I know I'm grateful for it, and I know my life has so many blessings in it. And so for the food, I'm talking a lot about the food because it's been such a struggle for me. I'm definitely one of these people who who, you know, got sanity in other parts of my life quicker than I got sanity around the food for some reason. Um, not that I have it all the time in either aspects of my life, but, um, but to eat, so eating consciously and gratefully and enjoying what I'm eating. And it took me a while to realize that that's okay in this program. I can enjoy what I'm eating. I can enjoy cooking. I can, I, I do. I can enjoy eating with friends. I can, all of those things. And to be grateful for the food, but to also be grateful that I am much of the time able to stop before I am overly full. And um, so it's what keeps me sane. And then when I fall off the wagon, which I do far more often than I like to admit, it's a lot easier to let go of it being a moral issue and me being an awful, terrible person. I can admit that I'm disappointed. I think maybe it could lead me to be rage at whatever this higher power is, but it doesn't. But, it, you know, I'll admit I'm disappointed because, and and there, there's a temptation to go back to that, you know, oh, well, I'm a failure, I'm constitutionally incapable. But most of the time now, I feel like I'm more able to say, okay, that was a bummer, <laughs> and I'm not going to go off on this tangent that I used to go off on about, all right, well, while I blew it, since I blew it anyhow, I might as well really talk blah, 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 and walk out of these rooms. Um, I haven't done that. Um, basically, I'm able to say, okay, I, I'm praying for sanity starting now, and I can't change the past, and I'm going to look for the right tool and get back on it. So instead of wasting my time beating myself up about how imperfect or how flawed I am, which still a temptation, or that I'm not yet the weight that I know I should be for my health, um, I can, you know, focus on the real miracle, the blessings in my life, and what I consider an incredible miracle in these is that 
I've never walked out of these rooms. That's amazing. That's amazing. When I think about everything else in my life that I've said, if I can't do this well, then I'm not going to do it at all. And I do this thing, this program, so imperfectly, and yet I have not yet felt a need to walk away from it. And it's given me so many blessings. So I'm grateful uh, to be here. I'm grateful that you're all here and keep coming back.